everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. All right, everyone, welcome back to another Turbo. Topic today is tissue compression. Tissue compression is a phenomenon that we encounter often during procedures, and it is really nothing more or less than the fact that when you press on human tissue, uh, it tends to squish. In other words, the thickness of it at relaxation is greater than when it's under compression. How much this is the case can vary. Some tissue is very compressible, and of course, sometimes you're applying more pressure. This is all pretty obvious. What difference does this make? Well, let me give you an example. You are placing an IV under ultrasound. So you place a probe on the skin and you find a vessel and it is a centimeter and a half deep below the skin. So you take a, uh, let's say 1.88 inch catheter, maybe a several centimeter line, something like that, which seems about correct for that depth, and you guide it into the vessel under ultrasound. That's great. What you didn't consider is that when you remove the probe, you lift the pressure you're applying during the guidance, that vessel's going to move. It's going to move relative to the surface. It's going to become farther away because it's no longer being squished down to it. How much this happens is going to determine whether it matters. If there's a great deal of compression, you may find that at relaxation, now that vessel is four or five centimeters deep. Now, maybe your catheter barely reaches it, or not at all. So you need to kind of start considering these things, and there are a number of circumstances where it matters, but this is a classic one. Is my catheter long enough to reach this vessel? Or this could apply in other procedures. For example, a paracentesis. You're going to access a pocket of fluid in the belly, and you're considering, all right, how deep do I have to go with my needle? The depth when you're applying pressure with your probe is not going to be the depth when you relax. So if you want to know how far you're going to have to go, which may be a matter of is your needle long enough, but is more likely just something you'd like to know so you know about how deep you're going to go, you need to try to apply the minimal pressure you can so you're not compressing down and changing that distance. Another time when this is really important is when you're accessing something that's very deep. So let's say you're going for a vessel and it is at an extreme of depth. Maybe it's an obese patient. Maybe you're at an anatomic site which just puts a lot of tissue between you and the vessel. It is not uncommon in these cases for you to hub your access needle. In other words, you insert it all the way. You can't get any deeper. Now, it's possible that this means you just can't use this site, but often you can still get to the vessel. How? Tissue compression. By applying pressure, you'll actually shrink the distance you have to cover until your needle is long enough. And now you can access the vessel. What's the problem? The problem is that if you relax, your needle's going to come out. So if you are accessing something using tissue compression, and you might do this knowingly, but you also might not think about it because you're applying pressure anyway, 
with your probe and perhaps with your needle. And it's really good to realize that you're only getting where you're going because of the compression that's involved. You're going to have to maintain that compression until you have placed your device into the vessel, which is long enough that it can hold it without compression. So in a Selinger technique, you need to hold that pressure on until your wire is in place because the wire is long enough to maintain its position even without compression. So this may mean holding pressure with your probe hand unrelentingly at the point of access until your wire is fully fed in in the vessel, and then you can relax. If you take that pressure off after you access with your needle, your needle's gonna pop out. You could get someone to help you with another hand, but um, I find you can usually pull this off with your off hand, with your probe hand. You just have to be conscious about it and really maintain that pressure the whole time. Okay, a couple other thoughts just involving the looseness and fluidity of skin and tissue. One is that patients who tend to have a lot of squishy compressible tissue, and this often means kind of stretchy, not just compressible. One thing that will happen fairly often if you're not paying attention is that you'll apply pressure with your probe, you'll access the skin with a needle, uh, maybe you'll get all the way down and get access, and eventually realize that your needle entered the skin and then actually exited the skin before entering again for the final approach. I believe the surgeons call this uh, button hooking. So you're passing through a, a kind of ridge or roll of tissue and then coming out again. So if you look down, you'll see needle in, out, and then in again. And then you eventually may get where you need to go, but through a weird path. This happens when there's a fair amount of skin, and usually when you're coming in at a kind of steep angle, creating that kind of ridge there. I, th I think it's most of the time in the femoral region is when I've had this happen with fairly obese patients. This can be, um, at, at best, a pain. It's a little awkward, because if you're already in, maybe you have your wire in, you took your needle out, now your wire is going in, out, in, there's like a skin bridge there, and you can place your catheter, but it's going to do something very weird. Uh, what do you do about it? You may be able to pull your wire out the little gap so it comes out of the skin bridge portion. Um, just uh, be careful not to kink it because it's kind of a steep angle for it. Uh, otherwise, you probably just have to remove it if it's annoying you. Um, you may be tempted to cut that skin bridge and incise it, but I wouldn't do that. That's a pretty big incision to make and they're going to have a, a mark there and bleeding and stuff. Uh, the worst, of course, would be if you manage to puncture your ultrasound's probe cover, which can also happen if you're not paying attention. And then you have to start over because that needle or wire is not sterile if it passed under the probe cover. The other thing you'll encounter just because of loose skin is that it can be hard to work with because a lot of the things we're doing in a percutaneous procedure require traction. You want the skin to stay where it is while you push something through or against it, such as an access needle or a dilator or even your suture needle. And sometimes you just push and then it bounces around and moves on you. And this can be kind of annoying and frustrating. Uh, how do you deal with this? Traction usually helps. So rather than relying on the skin being pinned down to the body because there's too much room there for it to stretch, you have to anchor it with something else. And usually this means your other hand. Apply some traction with your off hand so that when you push forward with a needle, dilator, whatever, 
you're stretching against your anchor point and not against just the patient's body. But it can be annoying either way. It's also a real risk uh, after you've done the procedure and let, you've left in a, a line or some catheter, you've anchored it to the skin with sutures or an anchoring device or a dressing, you're relying on that to keep it in place. But if there's a lot of very loose tissue there, there could be a great deal of movement that occurs even if it remains anchored at the skin. So if you put a hand on that site and you pull and you can move the skin relative to the rest of the body by four, five, six inches, this is not uncommon in bigger people, imagine what happens after you've placed a device and anchored it to that spot. It's also going to be moving by that amount. So this is most important, again, in a case where the device is only going to have so much depth in the target anatomy, such as the vessel. How much catheter is in that vessel? If it's a central line, probably enough. Although if I've, I've seen central lines extravasate in very large patients, partly because of that tissue movement. Um, but something like a peripheral line, which may be relatively long, that's how it gets in the first place, but you only have a few centimeters or a few inches in the vessel. With that amount of tissue movement at the skin, that could easily come out just because the skin got moved. Patient was repositioned, somebody tugged on it. Everything is still in place at the surface level, but deep down, it's pulled out. This is just something to think about. And if you see that there is that much tissue movement, you may want to consider questions like, is my catheter or other device long enough? This is one of the reasons why it plays again peripheral lines. To some extent, the longer the better, because the more catheter you have in the vessel, the more reliably it's going to stay in place, even when you have situations like this. So just go forth and do your procedures and your ultrasound examinations with an understanding and reflection on these ideas of both compression and tissue kind of elasticity and movement, because they can both be present, some patients much more so than in others. And in those people and in certain situations, it really can make a difference to success or failure of your procedures and uh, longevity of your devices and so on. It's the third dimension. There's not just forward, backwards, left and right. There is up and down, and that's just life. Talk to you guys next time.